living like this was so simple, so easy. It was like I was happier with a backpack on covered in dirt and sweat than I ever was just living paycheck to paycheck, being a consumer. Just, it just didn't add up anymore. I was like, what? my happiness without anything is far greater than my happiness with everything. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Out and Back podcast presented by Gaia GPS. I'm your host, Andrew Baldwin. I picked up the trail name Shanty during my thru-hike of the AT last year. Now that I'm home after finishing my thru-hike, I'm lucky enough to be interviewing top outdoor adventurers. People like PCT record holder Heather Anderson, who we talked to in our last show. This week, though, we're hanging out with Thomas Gathman, who goes by the trail name The Real Hiking Viking. Viking served as a Marine Scout sniper. And then when he came home from his second tour in Iraq, he hiked the Appalachian Trail and basically never went back. He hiked the CDT, the PCT, the AZT, and so many others. I'm really excited for this episode because we're going to talk to Viking about his journey from Marine Sniper to Pro Hiker. We're also going to find out which of the Triple Crown trails he's dying to get back on, where he's planning to go when the outdoors open up again, and so much more. Viking is a humble, fun, badass, free-spirited dude, and we hope you enjoy our time with him. So let's get right into it. All right, everyone. We're here with the one and only Real Hiking Vikings. So glad you're here, man. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad that this uh, glad this is going down. Yeah, I mean, man, there is so much going down right now in the world, and there's so much you've been doing over the last few years, and especially last year with backpacking. I mean, part of me doesn't even know where to start, man. There's just so much to be talking about here. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, how you got into the backpacking world. You know, So uh, we can go back to, um, I was in the Marine Corps for four years from 2006 to 2010 uh, in the infantry. Um, I did uh, four years in the infantry with two combat tours to Iraq and two of those um, years and one of those tours being uh, in a scout sniper platoon operating um, with covert operations, uh, clandestine missions, um, and doing surveillance and target acquisition and that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. when I call myself the real hiking Viking, the Viking part doesn't come from the aspect of you know the DNA of uh, the <laughs> Scandinavians, which I might, I'm not sure. I have never been you know gone down that um, genealogy, but my, my family does for the, for the record, my family does hail from Germanic and, and, uh, Irish and Scottish, uh, regions. So there's a chance for that, but the Viking part comes from the idea that Marines are warriors. So that's what we call them, you know, army, they're soldiers, Navy, they're sailors, uh, air force, they're airmen. You know, the Viking part comes from the beard that I've been growing over the years, which by the way, I just got it cut recently because I needed a little change, but for shame. Yeah, for shame. First I was going to hit you with like 30 questions about the beard at the well, end. So I, uh, we'll get into that. We'll, we'll, we'll get we into that. Yeah. But the, but so, <laughs> you know, the, the warrior aspect and, and the, and the drive to like push myself comes from the Marine Corps. Um, and, and that's where the Viking aspect really comes from. And in addition to the beard that I had been growing. Um, so four years of that. And then that rolled into, I got out of the Marine Corps with a honorable discharge, which is, uh, Always nice to say, awesome. <laughs> you know, and, and then after that, I, uh, I was attending Bucknell university just kind of cause I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, I, I joined the Marine Corps later. I was age 23 and, uh, with a failed stint in, uh, 
uh, college the first time around. And after I got out of the Marine Corps, I really just thought to myself like, hey, I might not know what I want to do, but I'm 27 and I should utilize my ability to go to college and try and get a degree so that I can make, um, you, you know, have, have the opportunity for better jobs down the line, even though I had no idea what the possibilities for where I want a career to go were and kind of fell backwards in to the outdoor industry while I was attending Bucknell University. Fell and backwards. So how'd that totally. happen? Uh, so a guy that was a friend of mine who also was a Bucknell graduate uh, who was living in Lewisburg at the time, was he was departing um, Lewisburg and was taking a job at Nike headquarters. Uh, um, and he's like, hey, dude, he's like, I've been working part time at Vargo Outdoors, which is also Vargo Titanium. Um, and it, it's located right in my hometown, right where Bucknell University is, literally below my apartment where I was living. So he's like, I'm leaving town. I have this job. He's going to be looking for somebody. You should take the job. And I was like, okay, makes perfect sense. Like I would love to have a, jo- a part-time job and um, while I go to school. And also, you know, that sounds interesting and intriguing to me. So yeah, let's do it. And then that was my in on the outdoor industry in 2000, I want to say 11, I started working for him. And that led to being asked by my boss if I wanted to go down to Damascus, Virginia in 2012 to attend Appalachian Trail Days, which is, nice. if you don't know, the country's like largest trail event, on like live trail event, like a fest- festival, essentially. Thousands yeah, the- of hikers descend upon Damascus every um, su- you know May to have a big old party and, and to have workshops and, and get together with their friends. And people are hiking in and people are traveling in, like pr- prior hikers future hikers with aspirations to, to do the, the AT and all that kind of stuff. And let me tell you, I agreed, of course, to go down and set up a vendor booth and sell Bargo Titanium gear directly on the trail. Literally, the trail goes right in front of his booth um, uh, in Damascus. And that was my first, like, in person, you know, like, hey, holy crap, this Appalachian Trail thing isn't just, like, this idea of a trail. There are people walking from... Georgia to Maine every year in this big mobile community that I was just like my brain like exploded about the like the idea of it. So you would never because you're from Lewisburg, PA. You said like where Bucknell yep. is, yep. so actually yep. not too far from the Appalachian Trail where it goes through in PA. So you had you ever actually done any backpacking trips or done done any hiking on the AT before Trail Days? Uh, not on the AT. No, I don't think I've ever knowingly hiked on the Appalachian trail ever in my life. And if I had, I don't even think I had unknowingly, uh, the only real backpacking I had ever done, I want to say like two separate overnighters, but both of them were on the loyal sock trail in North central PA kind of like North of like Watkins Glen or not Watkins Glen Ricketts Glen area. So, and though that was all when I was like a teenager and I was a Boy Scout growing up and I enjoyed back, you know, hiking in the outdoors and like the ideas of backpacking and would have loved to have gotten into it. But I never really materialized to like have it become a focal point of my like life. You know, the, the, the desire to want to do and be that was there. Just the the um, opportunity hadn't really presented itself. And then it did. Trail Days 2012 uh, opened my eyes and really like set a blaze inside me for the desire to to seek out 
this adventure, this possible adventure. You know, I was, I was talking to these through hikers that were 500 miles into their through hike in Damascus. And like, yeah, they were gross. They were dirty. They were stinky. <laughs> and, and I was like totally enamored by it. You know, these guys were a quarter of their way, not even a quarter of the way done with their, their adventure. And I was what, just going to drive back to Pennsylvania and go live another summer of like going to music festivals and like waiting for the next semester to begin. And like this event hit and it changed the trajectory of everything. So tell Um, us about that uh, trajectory then. So you've gone to trail days, you've become completely enamored with what you've seen, what you've been exposed to there. So, you know, what happened next then? Where did, where did you go? I was driving home and I was living, I was not living with my, with my parents, but my parents lived several blocks away and I call my dad up and I say, Hey dad, uh, I'm going to drop out of school and go hike the Appalachian Trail next year. What do you think of that? <laughs> and he's like, sounds great. He's like, but he like tried to get me to understand a larger picture with it. He's like, he's like, how can you make it something that's more than just you? You know? So I thought my dad was like, so how can you make this hike of yours something that's bigger than you? And I was like, well, I would love to like maybe do it as like a fundraiser for like benefiting veterans. And, and it turned out to be, I went, I went down the road with it a, a little bit, you know, made a website, made all these things um, to, to figure it out. And when I was doing that, I came, I came to the conclusion that I should try and find somebody who may have already had experience with this to try and seek some counsel as far as like, what, what can I avoid, like what pitfalls can I avoid when trying to do this? So I Googled some stuff about veterans and long trails and, and I came across Sean Gobin, who was uh, at the time just had done his own through hike in 2012 with his buddy um, where they were raising funds to um, uh, purchase adaptive vehicles for veterans that were amputees from combat. And I contacted him and, and got some advice about how to make my own thing. And months and months went by, but around Thanksgiving time in 2012, Sean Gobin called me and was like, Hey dude, he's like, how would you like to be the first veteran involved with the walk off the war program? And, and I was like, well, can my good buddy who I was going to do the hike with, who was a machine gunner in my uh, company and squad, can he, can he join with me? And it was my buddy, Adam Bouts. And he and I were the first two veterans on the inaugural warrior hike uh walk off the war program in 2013 and there and there became there came to be like another seven eight nine people that were a part of it i I think there may have been like 10 to 13 of us total in the first year and that was a, a really cool experience so between when i called my dad from appalachian trail days nine months later i was on the trail you know wow out of school uh you know and i didn't know that this was going to end up being my life at that point it wasn't until I got to about Pennsylvania, I got off trail for like 10 days. A, I had a little knee injury that I needed to recover from. But B, I, a, you know, I knew I was going to get back on trail and, and finish the hike. But I had to deal with my, my civilian life because I knew I wanted to do this. I knew I wanted to do the, the whole Triple Crown. Like I, I realized it in the first half of that trail that living like this was so simple, so easy. It was like I was happier with a backpack on covered in dirt and sweat than I ever was just living paycheck to paycheck, being a consumer, just, it just didn't add up anymore. I was like, what my happiness without anything is far greater than my happiness with everything. So why not just live, live super meagerly while being happy makes, it just was a no brainer. So I got off trail and put everything in my house into storage. Didn't renew the lease. 
and that was that. You could you just kept going. Like, I mean, so yeah. you came back on the trail to Pennsylvania, you finished going up to Katahdin on the AT, and then what was it? You went directly to the CDT? Yep. Um, yep, loved loved it uh enough to go to jump right from the AT to CDT. So the AT like made me fall in love with backpacking. Mm-hmm. But I'm a kid from Central PA that, you know, barely has spent time in the Rockies and definitely has never spent any time backpacking in the Rockies. This so the CDT made me fall in love with with like what I would characterize as like true wilderness adventure. Like yeah. open my open my eyes to the to a larger idea of what backpacking is and what like backpacking in nature and wilderness is and I I really fell in love. I haven't really hiked on the CDT minus the Colorado Trail I, and and a little, you know, um in Wyoming in the winds. Um, I, I have been chomping at the bit to, to through hike that trail again. Really? Would you like, say- it's the one I, everyone's like, what's your favorite trail? And I'm like, it's no question. It's the CDT. There's the most amount of wilderness. There's the most amount of like, uh, animal life. There's the most amount of like isolation. And it's just, it, I mean, it's the continental divide. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's my favorite trail by far, even though I've been hiking all over the place since then. And all these other trails that I've done even more than once. The CDT still, I'm just like waiting for like the right time to like, I don't know, hit that trail hard. So you think about the others, the PCT you've done, like you've done the Arizona trail, part of the Florida trail. Yep. I've done um, the PCT. I attempted the PCT three years in a row. The So it was like right after the CDT was done in 2014, I went and did attempted the PCT northbound in 2015 and made it halfway, did a flip because I started it. I started it a little bit later after I had done part of the Florida trail and, and the whole Arizona trail as precursors to that. And, and there was something going on that made me flip. I like, I did the Sierra high route in the middle of it. I went and did the wonderland trail off trail. Like yeah, there was, I did, I was doing all these things. I was probably pull, stretching myself too, way too thin. And, um, and then once I finally did flip up to the border, this fire hit that just was blanketing all of washington closing everything down closing crater lake down it was just like the whole west was on fire and i just was like f this i'm out with all this and what year was this again 20... still 2015 2015 which okay. leads into the like what i would call the what really kind of elevated my for lack of a horrible way of putting it it makes me sound like i feel like i'm more important than i am what really led to the rise of my star so to speak, <laughs> was <laughs> I went and through hiked the Appalachian Trail southbound in winter. And that Which, started at the end of 2015. Cause so here I was, had this incredible hiking year, you know, all these miles. All I mean, I really went for it. You know, the CDT was great, but but in 2015, I just started going everywhere and hitting every trail I possibly could and having having just adventure after adventure after adventure. And then when you have a year like that, you come home for Thanksgiving in central PA. And you're just sitting there. You're like, what the hell am I going to do in winter? I didn't have a plan for winter. In fact, I, I, had, I did have a, a, temp, uh, a tentative plan to go hike the New Zealand Te Aurora Trail that winter. But the guy that I had kind of planned to do it with had a hip problem and he couldn't do it. Like He, actually, he ultimately needed hip replacement surgery. Um, and this is the guy I finished the CDT with for the record. And we wanted to go get back out and do some, some miles together. But so my plan to go to New Zealand crumbled and I was sitting there twiddling my thumbs over Thanksgiving in central PA with like no real plan. And, and I am a guy 
who does not do well sitting around as I sit around during COVID-19 quarantine. I don't, I don't, I'm like, I'll lose my mind if I don't stay active. And just, just where, if you can put yourself in my shoes, having a year like that, and there you are feeling like you're like stuck somewhere. You just, the wheels start, the wheels started turning. And I just, do you guys remember when trauma and pepper southbound through hike the PCT in winter? Yes. Uh, well, the winter before I had through connections been, um, friends with trauma and i reached out to him because i had this idea from what they did in on the pct southbound when they did which by the way winter southbound on the pct is something that's even still far beyond my skill set i am not a winter mountaineer i'm not the only people who even on record attempted it died trying and they were just like here we go you know i mean these guys are skilled these guys are like backcountry professionals winter and summer uh, and they know what they're doing they're smart they're not careless they're not reckless like me and um (laughs) but so the appalachian trail isn't like the pct in in the sense that it's it's like the pinnacle of danger in winter at all times and avalanche this and uh isolation that and roads closed and so i'm sitting there in thanksgiving at my parents house and I'm like, what am I going to do this winter? And I just like, it just popped. I don't even know how it popped into my head, but it definitely was stemming from trauma and Pepper's inspiration the, fi- the, the previous winter. And I was like, what if I threw like the AT southbound in winter? And I called Zach Davis up because he was a good buddy of mine at that point in time. We had just through hiked, the, you know, we'd just been on the Colorado Trail together. And, and so I call him up as a friend and I say, you know, Zach, what what, it, what what do you think about me through hiking the, a, the AT South in winter? And he was just like, you would be a god among men if you did that. You know, like I mean, well, <laughs> well, that was the thing. I did the AT Sobo last year. To me, the idea of just doing the northern part of the trail, forget even like how challenging the Smokies were in parts of southern Virginia, how tough they were. Mm-hmm. I just think about how crazy like parts of southern Maine and the whites would be in winter. Yeah. So when I told him that and posed the, I mean, it was within five minutes in my head of posing that idea out loud to him that I was just like, I know I'm going to go do this. I just know. Cause that's what I'm, my brain just, the wheels started turning. Like what would I need to do? Like how quickly can I get ready? And mind you, when I'm thinking this, I have never even out, like I have never even winter camped. Never. That answers my follow up I, I didn't question. even have the equipment. <laughs> like I didn't have any of it. I'd never done it. You know, I was just doing summer and shoulder season stuff. And the, and like in my brain, this felt like a very dangerous thing to do and for one particular aspect. And it was not because I'd never done it and not, be, not because, um, you know, I'd be doing it alone. It's because I sweat a lot, a <laughs> lot. I sweat a lot. And that's like danger numero uno when you're yeah. backpacking or mountaineering in isolated places when the temperatures are below zero. Yep. And Sweat, that was that was my biggest concern, but at the at the time of deciding to do it, it it was just like uh, manage that later, figure it out later. All my brain started doing was how do I prepare to go begin? Hearing other people's experiences, what they think is things I should be doing in terms of preparation and like w- you know, what gear worked for them in these situations, yada yada yada. So, within 10 days of having that conversation with Zach, I was on a bus to Maine within 10 days. So by December 4th, I was, uh, I was in Baxter 
walking south, basically. Did you get to go up Katahdin? I thought Katahdin always closed at a certain time. I had to fill out all kinds of uh, safety forms and backcountry winter camping forms. I basically had to, had to inventory every piece of gear that I had so that they could know whose gear it was when they had to go looking for the body, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> is where that comes from. Um, wow. But I did not get the summit katahdin because uh it was a logistical nightmare for (laughs) for how i went about starting the trail uh in terms of scheduling with with baxter state park as when i was on the bus up to maine i was like i called baxter state park and said hey i want to go summit mount katahdin tomorrow and start walking (laughs) south and they're like well we can't really do that you have to wait a week for us to process this and to get the information to our backcountry rangers and yada yada. So they needed they needed a time window in order to process all of that. And I was like, well I'm not waiting a week. The more I wait, the crazier winter gets in Maine. And I'm trying to get south ASAP. Like you know, like now. I need time time is against me right now. So in order to mitigate that like week long waiting period, I came up with a plan, all right, I'm gonna northbound the hundred mile wilderness so I can just start. And then I, I will hypothesize what day I think I'm making it to Baxter to what, or what day I think I'm making it to uh, Katahdin to summit. So I I misjudged because I had, I was carrying so much gear and I was like, I thought, Oh, I'd be able to walk this fast because my legs are still strong. But like, then there was snow and ice and all these things that slowed me down. And with that amount of food that I was carrying, I thought I could make it in a week. And I, I made it like, I made it a half a day too late for my for my permit for the summit permit and so basically i got there the evening of the day that i thought that i would have to start that morning so i couldn't just start hiking up katahdin at night you know like in winter after having hiking for a full day to get to katahdin to begin with and i didn't want to be the asshole that was like just gonna quote unquote poach the mountain poach Mm -hmm. the summit i don't i don't i don't like doing that i don't like going against the rules especially if i'm going against the rules you know, on top of that, I'm broadcasting everything I'm doing. Like it would be suspicious if I was just like, that's the thing I was thinking the exposure. I don't don't do that. I'm not going to do that. And so instead of waiting another week to summit with a new permit or whatever, you know, I just uh, walked out of the park on the road and got picked up at the entrance where the, this this plows will, will plow up to got picked up there, went back to Monson at the end of the hundred mile wilderness and started walking south because I just had to get south. And you know, yeah. it was it was it annoying I couldn't summit Katahdin? Yes. Did I care that as far as the the technical nature of through hiking the AT all in one? Sh- no, I I I went back and and did Katahdin later. Yeah. So uh, I'm hiking through uh, New England, dealing with you know thirty two degrees to negative fifty degrees to. 40 to 80 mile per hour winds to pure whiteout conditions on top of Musilaki where my goggles are fogged up. I can't see anything like it, it was intense. I mean, the Fords in Maine alone were horrific. I that was going to be my question about the hundred mile wilderness, the Fords you had to go through um, because that's where you have the most in all of Maine. It's awful. It's awful. Going in barefoot, Oh, barefoot with my p- pants off. And, and and mind you, there's only eight hours of daylight, so most of these are happening in the dark, you know? Yeah. And, and like, you, you, a headlamp's not helping you see where your lead foot, numb foot is going on a slippery, icy rock, you know? Like, it's it was, like, it was always, like, playing with fire rather 
ice when you yeah. go in barefoot <laughs> and have to get out the other side and put uh which i have had at the time a three sock layering system on to go in the boots since like i have to get hiking immediately to try and get the blood flowing back to my feet and it'd be like miles until i could feel my feet again it was it was a mental struggle at all times at all i will times. never i will never complain about the cold nights that i had uh, I in great islands ever again i <laughs> really don't know how i did it i'm not gonna lie thinking back on it i'm just like how did i how did i do that like I, that's insanity like who would subject themselves to that level of stupid stupid stuff <laughs> but yeah. but at the time like i wouldn't I wasn't really thinking about quitting at any point in time on that hike other than the first full day in the 100-mile wilderness, the first full day. So I had camped that night, and I had snow on my first day. It snowed on me for several inches. And and then that first night, I was like, oh, I'll make a fire and get my clothes dry. And that was the first and last fire I had. There was no point in wasting energy on a fire that was – so difficult to maintain so incredibly and that was like before the harshness of winter really set in you know it's just it was just a waste of time waste of energy it was just getting your sleeping bag as quick as you can and peel your wet ass clothes off and throw them in your sleeping bag in a waterproof container before they froze solid stiff and then put them on again the next (laughs) morning on in the morning before they froze solid stiff as well yeah yeah Yeah. every day every day so going into town um by the third or fourth day was integral integral to 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 survival because that's how much i sweat you think you think like like not only am i sweating through my clothes but there's still like even though it's cold there's moisture in the air that is just like like adding to that so my my jacket on the inside is lined with ice so my arms I have to wear like I, I wore a merino base layer, then a vapor barrier. Which, with the amount of sweat I'm dealing with, even the vapor barrier was kind of just a formality. It was, it was like, or, or it was just it was there for my brain to be like, this is helping. But really, I'm I don't even think it was because everything was just wet, you know. But if yeah. but really what it was, I think if anything was help cut the wind to my actual skin. But then I wore like a poly synthetic merino blend sweater over that and it was just like a hood and then there was a hat and then i wore another hood and then there was a mask and then sometimes a goggles and <laughs> oh, man it was crazy it really was but yeah i was gonna say um so you've done your at uh sobo winter hike you've mm-hmm. done the pct you've done the cdt you've done the long like just 2019 alone last year you were on freaking fire you did the long trail twice if i remember or hold two on, attempts at on. it yeah i attempted the long trail twice yeah they both, they both were miserable failures so yeah don't, and don't, i want to get don't them. Say i did them because i did well and i want to get to that um but yeah. like just going down the list i think you did what you did the jordan trail of course i did the jordan you trail did. so once so yeah in january i attempted the long trail in winter with snowshoeing it miserable fail and then and then after that it was uh jordan trail like uh went over and there by the end of february i want to say what motivated you to do something like so different from hiking you would do in the USA or Canada. Why the Jordan Trail? Well, it's actually a pretty simple answer. They invited me to come do it basically free of charge um, as a way to get exposure to my audience, which is obviously a wide sweeping 
um, audience of through hiking and hiking and backpacking uh, enthusiasts, uh, you know, in the U.S. And I'm sure I have lots of people in other countries following me, too. Um, but they they definitely wanted to to get their their product, their trail in front of uh, a lot of eyes. And and, you know, I fortunate for me, I they found me and they asked me and I was I was available and, and definitely wanted to like. I I have I have not been back in the Middle East since my time in service and my time and obviously that time was not um you know uh recreation recreation yeah <laughs> so I wanted to go and explore that region and that culture uh you know as a civilian and especially as a um outdoor athlete and and it was just kind of the perfect situation at the time and and I I thoroughly enjoyed every aspect of of uh being over there and the people and and my experience and it was it was an unbelievably beautiful place and just was cool to be back in that in that region and have a totally 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 different experience than my first time there. Awesome. So you came back from that and then what was it you did? Did you do the Hay Duke Trail? Attempted the Hay Duke Trail and mind you when I flew back from Jordan direct to Denver and within in less than 48 hours i was <laughs> in moab like buying my food to begin the the hayduk trail and that the 2019 was a train wreck year for me actually <laughs> I'm i looking I at the basically actual been hitting home yeah. runs for like six years <laughs> and then 2019 came by and just like punched me in the face <laughs> In like many, many ways. It was just like getting beat up by Mike Tyson, basically having never boxed before. <laughs> no, it was, it, I just, um, I had a lot of, uh, adversity last year, which, um, b- builds character. Uh, it certainly does. Um, but, but the Hey Duke on day one, I was off, I was cross country in, in Arches National Park, uh, on day one of the, of the Hey Duke. And, I was getting close to hiking into Moab. Like there's like, I think it's like 26, 30 miles to get in, to hike into Moab from the, from the Northern border of Arches national park. And my, I was like, I'm going to hike into Moab on day one. You know, I had my hiking legs and I was going ultra light and, um, I was like getting close to Moab, but there was just, I was, I took a, like an off trail, crazy, like cliff traverse where you're doing like kind of class three and class four stuff to get right. down and right before i began descending down this uh kind of cliffside um i pulled my phone out to take a picture and by the way um i was carrying paper maps but i but my phone had had everything on it and i pulled my phone out and fumbled it and it it fell and started cartwheeling off the sandstone cliff and took a 100 foot tumble down and smack and i had my my airpods in and i heard my airpods disconnect from the as it's in mid-air falling and i'm like no <laughs> just watch this thing cartwheel off the cliff and i was like i am screwed like i just was like i had i went and found the phone somehow luckily but i had to go figure out how to get a new phone and that took me off trail for like 10 days until it was a nightmare trying to get my phone backed up and then have to to like um submit the insurance claim to get a new phone it just was a process that took way longer than i wanted it to and i only had a four-week window from when i was starting the hey duke to when i was i had to be at appalachian trail days for like business stuff with mountain smith uh and i don't if you don't know how long the hey duke is it's it's uh 800 miles 
of like intense, rigorous backpacking through very, very desolate, isolated um, Canyon country. And uh, it's not, it's not for beginners. It's not even for intermediate is an expert level uh, hike. And to do that in four weeks, you have to have everything go perfect. And yeah. And on day one, things shit hit the fan and it wasn't even proverbial. It was it was a, it was a fun adventure to, to deal with that. So we I just wanted to get in as much quality backpacking in as I could on the Hey Duke um, before I had to uh, fly back east. So it became just like cherry picking beautiful stretches of the of the Hey Duke. And it, and, it, and it was a great time that we finished with a uh uh, one day traverse of the Grand Canyon after hitting like Bryce and um, I don't know a bunch of a bunch of different places. Well, Hey Duke goes, I think, through all. Isn't that the one that goes through all the national parks in Utah? Yep. It's every single uh, par- national park in Utah, um, as well as the Grand Canyon. Awesome. Yeah. So, so awesome. it's it was. I actually was. Um, my plan is to still do the Hey Duke this year, and I probably would have done it this spring. I was choosing between doing the Hey Duke this spring and doing the Grand Enchantment Trail this spring, but here we are. Cuckoo Bird and I did have a contingency plan to actually do the Grand Enchantment Trail together, which goes from Phoenix to Albuquerque, uh, mm-hmm. more or less. And uh, we were going to go out and basically drive drive, and bury caches for ourselves so that we could so we could uh, adhere to COVID-19 guidelines and principles for not going into town and not, you know, uh, overwhelming their you know, these small towns, whatever. I just, that was like, how do we get outside? How do we go do a hike and still like not get Corona? (laughs) Yeah. And that's, I I mean, it just, I, at a certain point you just, I, I don't know. Like I feel this uh, need to, to, to like, to like set an example to like, I'm not an exception to any rule. I'm a nobody, you know, this is, this is a global pandemic that, you know, if anyone thinks they're above anybody else, that's where that's where things start getting out of control in terms of everybody thinks they can go hike and oh, if a hiking Viking is doing it, then I can do it and yada yada yada. And I just didn't want to be I didn't want to be the guy to to pretend that they were better than other people that have different feelings on the matter. Yes, and wh- where are you riding out uh, COVID nineteen right now? Are you in Pennsylvania? I am. I'm in my hometown of Lewisburg, PA. Yep. I I was hiking more towards at the beginning. I was hitting the gym at the beginning before gyms closed down. Um, uh, and then it just all just changed so rapidly that I just, I've been inside. I've been inside, <laughs> you know, I've been yeah. trying not to eat too much, but I've definitely been drinking a lot. And, <laughs> um, but I've also luckily, so I had, uh, <laughs> so I had uh, ACL and meniscus surgery in November, uh, which was how my 2019 year ended. I, bought myself a playstation 4 pro when i had surgery so that i could like not be bored out of my mind so it really does sound like covid19 you know you're you're really taking the steps social distancing and i know that backpacking and outdoor activities are still allowed in a lot of states but it seems like we're seeing a lot of cases where where trails are getting really crowded um and as a result it's still creating a lot of exposure and it's like what we've seen with the atc um, sand, you know, Sandra came out and she said, you know, specifically everyone needs to stay away from the AT right now. Yep, um, yep. and uh, so and there, it, and there's other trails to hike in PA where I know that people aren't going to be on. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I thought about that, like, oh, I'm going to, I can go through hike, uh, these like 
shorter distance trails that are like 60 miles, 100 miles, like 150 miles, like and I and believe me, I want to. I really really do and and at the be- towards the beginning before things rapidly started changing, it really it just doesn't feel like a time to be um, you know, doing things for recreation. I don't know, I'm just thinking about my family and my closest friends and relatives and and I I, I don't know. Uh, I I'm not I just I need to wait this out to really make more rationally informed decisions personally. Yeah. I mean, like 20 years ago, I would just say ethic because I just was a kid that didn't care about consequences. But as a 37 year old man now, and I understand that there are consequences to all our actions. And I just don't I don't want to be the one making the wrong decisions that, that affect people, people's lives, potentially, you know, yeah, so, yeah. my own for that matter. Yeah, Agreed. it's weird. It's weird. And and uh we're all just I'm just figuring it out one day at a time and I'm just trying to just trying to not lose my mind one day at a time. And but then again, so many other people in so much less fortunate circumstances than I am. Yeah. So I guess and it's yeah, it's I, I think that's a really good way of looking at it and approaching it. I guess so it comes to the main question. There's so many of us who are taking the same responsible approach. So what is are you doing to what are you doing to stay motivated? Like Okay. Well, so for the first, like, so what felt like spring break initially, you know, we're all like, oh, like here, we, you know, where everybody's like FaceTiming and Zooming and, you know, like let's drink is essentially where, like, let's have a party, distance, <laughs> like social distancing via computers and smartphones. That For the first couple of days, it was like that. I'll be honest. Like we were having a good time. And then it's yeah. like, well, that's not sustainable. And, and like, we got to figure something else out. So then it became like, okay, um, then there was the video games and it's like, well, I can't do that every day. And, and mind you, right, right before this all began since week one of January, I have been working out like a madman to try and come back from, um, this ACL surgery. Cause I wanted to have this big year in 2020 coming to, I was going to call it my redemption year for all these trails that I fumbled and failed upon, uh, and redo them and annihilate them. <laughs> and, um, so I was on a tear in the gym and in, and, and rehab, physical therapy. And, and then the gym shut down and that was my every day, my every waking hour and all my sleep was like completely a symbiotic thing with making sure my body was right every day. Uh, so for almost two and a half months, I was just like knocking it out of the park and like really, really in shape. And, and now here I am. I yeah. tried doing a couple of in-house workouts and it's just not the same. I don't have weights. I don't have like a treadmill. I know I can go run outside and all, but like the motivation is, is getting, it was, was low to do those things. So I'm looking into clearing out my parents' garage and creating a CrossFit gym in my parents' garage right now, but I don't know how much it's going to cost. I'm not like a uber wealthy person by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and, but like I'm beginning to get to the point where I'm like, okay, my my new productivity gears are in motion and how can I make the best of this right now besides just drinking, playing video games and gymming with my friends. And I, I, I do so much better mentally when I'm physically exerting. And that's why through hiking yeah. in this backpacking world works so well for me because I, it's like a singular focus. that's so simple, but also is my life and is determines my entire schedule. It's like, the Marine Corps was the beginning of like putting my energy to focus. And then it turned into through hiking. And it was like, oh man, not only is it like 
uh, I can focus on this thing that I enjoy and it's in the outdoors and it's therapeutic, but it's also like physically healthy for me too, you know? So I lost the thing that keeps me physically healthy. And then I lost the thing that I can do even when I'm just around town to be physically healthy. And, and so it's a struggle for me in that respect, but I mean, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll power through for sure. It's not going to, it's not going to ultimately destroy me in, in ways that are, uh, you know, insurmountable. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm taking steps right now to figure out how to, how to positively spin this in the best way possible. But the only issue becomes as with everybody's dealing with is how long is this going to last? I mean, I, I honestly have no idea. And that's the thing that's so amazing about all of this is just, yeah. I don't think anybody knows how long yeah. this is going to go. I'm in um, good because- spirits. That's, that's really uh, like where I'm at with it. Like I'm in good spirits about it. Uh, I'm very realistic about it too. And I'm prepared for the worst while hoping for the best. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to look at it. And I think that's the main thing that I think we could all take away from is I love your point of, you know, you figured out what makes you happy, what keeps you in balance. Yeah. Yeah. And you are actively going out and doing what you need to do to get it. So two two other things, I mean, um, regarding, you know, COVID-19. So I think we talked about a little bit earlier. I mean, are you still making plans for the summer for maybe the second half of the year? If, if, as soon as this opens up, I am gone. I am immediate. I will literally, I'll, my backpack is packed right now. It's ready to rock. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, depending on what time of summer it is, depends on what mountain range I go to to have some fun. You know? If you could be anywhere, anywhere, like if this thing ended tomorrow, I know it won't, but if you could be anywhere, where would it be? Well, the only place to really go begin, uh, that's not the AT, um, would be in the, in my opinion, in the Southwest, um, which would be like, you know, trails like the Arizona trail, the Grand Chaman trail, the Continental Divide trail, the Pacific Crest trail. But I've done, I've done all those except for the Grand Enchantment trail. So I, I mean, that's my plan was to be going to Grand, the Grand Enchantment trail. That was, that was an 800 mile hike that I was going to try and do in like four or five weeks. And then I was going to, then I think I was going to roll out to like uh, maybe like the Tahoe Rim Trail or like uh, depending on how the high country looked in Yosemite, maybe the Yosemite High Route or the Sequoia and Kings Canyon Basin Route. Those are like things that like I haven't been back to the Sierra since I think 2017 when I finally on my third attempt through hike to the Pacific Crest Trail. And that was the last time I was out. On, in any of those states in any of those ranges in 2017 so shoot that's been three years now and and mind you i love the sierra like i hit i've done the sierra high route twice i threw hiked the sierra from like stem to stern like four times in a four five times in a three-year period awesome. in very in various ways and, and routes and all that kind of stuff so, and there's also i think there's a there's a uh, possibility for uh a, do you know what a lowest to highest route is do you know what that is um, is that like a seize to like the seize to summit route in North Carolina where a low point to high point or like going yes. from like Death yes. Valley to Mount Whitney? There you go. That's what it is. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's also would be a possibility for, um, a trans San Diego, like a trans San Diego County route. I forget what it's called technically, but it's basically like the whole entire, uh, width of the San Diego, uh, San Diego County, there's a hike that goes from like east to west that you finish at the ocean. I'd look into that nice. for sure. And then I definitely was going to redo the Wind River High Route, Skirka's version, which I wasn't able to complete last year. Uh, 
the Fifner was on my list to do the Fifner Traverse in Colorado. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's just, I mean, basically as many things as I could cram in, I was just going to start like plucking them away without any, without any like real break in between. It was like, get off trail, clean my clothes, do, you know, clean my body, breathe for a second, regroup, get my food and then go again, wherever I got to go. However, I got to get there. It was just like, just nonstop action. Um, mm-hmm. So that, cause I'm, I'm again, I'm getting over this ACL injury, which by the way, it's healed, but it doesn't feel a hundred percent. Like I need to go do a, a, a shakedown multi-day strenuous hike. Like in PA, I was going to go do like a, whether it was um, the Laurel Highlands hiking trail, which is a 75 mile long trail or like the Loyal Suck trail, which is a 60 or 70 mile long trail. I did the Black Forest uh, half loop in a day, which was 20, 24 miles, 22 miles. Um, the the full loop is 42 miles. It's beautiful up there. I don't, I, people don't know that Northern PA and especially the Pine Creek um, region of Northern PA is absolutely stunning. And the, so the, the water up there is absolutely gorgeous. And like, yeah. I don't know, man, those woods are, they're beautiful woods. Pine, the, the hemlocks and red pines all over the place. There's, um, you know, birch trees, there's oak trees, there's maple trees. It's just like, it's just, uh, it's just gorgeous. It's really, really pretty. It, and I, the, the, the beauty of what I do is, uh, you know, I'm, I can pivot on a dime with what I'm, with what I, like how my life is set up. Like I could, like if things don't work out with doing one thing, I'm able to turn on a dime and do another thing. You know, like if one trail doesn't work out, I, I'm just, I have such freedom to be able to maneuver within my decisions. And that's freaking awesome. That's freaking awesome, dude. Yeah. So, agreed. but I figure let's end this on a really good, like fun, positive spin for the audience. I want to ask you a few general hiking questions and more importantly, I want to ask you some beard questions. Okay. So what's your luxury item? Um, my luxury item, I would have to say, um, would be a like massive battery pack. I mean, Multiple, yeah, yeah. Just, it's a, it's like, if you know, uh, milliamps per hour, if you know, like the size of batteries in your phone or in, I have a 26,800 milliamp per hour battery pack, which you could literally kill somebody with it. You could beat somebody <laughs> up with this thing. It's <laughs> like a brick. Um, so the reason I have that is because I like to, uh, you know, con- con- consume audio. Uh, I like to, to consume, you know, um, shoot video, take lots of pictures, post lots of stuff when I have service. Like I also charge, um, various other devices too, uh, depending on what I'm doing. And yeah, so that's my, I would say that's my, my real luxury item is being able to use phone juice at my dis- like i don't have to think about it i don't have to be like oh i gotta ration my battery right now i never i don't ever want to have to think am i gonna run out of battery right now no uh i'm not because i have a a brick the size of uh like a <laughs> red brick <laughs> yeah so that's my luxury item cool so then with you listening to music all the time if you had to listen to one song on repeat for an entire through hike what would it be Man, that is, I don't, listen, you ask a question like that. I, and I have to say, I don't do favorites. I don't do favorites with movies. I don't do favorites with people. I don't do favorites with <laughs> like, just, I, I can't, I really just, I'm, there are too many things out there. 
there's too much yeah. content, you know, there's too much, there's too much to choose from. And I, and I mix it up so frequently that I just, I won't, I won't pick a, I won't pick a favorite, not even for this podcast. You can't make me. All right. I'm you in Pennsylvania. It. You can't. Um, all right. All right. I will say, I will give you a genre <laughs> that really allows me to get in the groove when I'm alone and through hiking. Mm-hmm. And that's house music. House music. I, it has this beat that just goes and goes and goes. And when I hike, I hike hard. I hike like it's a workout. I hike like it's how many miles can I get in today? That's like my, if, I, if all things were even and I'm healthy and, and the trails in front of me and the world is my oyster, I'm trying to throw down 30, 40 plus miles every single day. You know, And the way to do that for me personally is to just like get that beat going and I, my legs are moving to that beat 100 100 beats per minute 110 beats per minute that's kind of where that's my sweet spot <laughs> nice you nice know? now don't, don't get me wrong like i switch it up and listen to different music because you'll burn yourself out on anything obviously but oh yeah that's uh, that that constitutes quite a, a quite a big you know i'd say a majority of my music listening while i'm in the physical act of hiking <laughs> biggest hiker meal you've ever had okay so i'm in um you know, you know where the notch hostel is yeah right in uh just west of franconia notch yep. uh before kinsman notch you got it and there is a restaurant and i can't remember the name of this restaurant but there's a restaurant in i think lincoln um or if it's not lincoln it's north woodstock and they mm. offer a five pound burger with like french fries and coleslaw and a dr- like a big tall drink and if you can eat all of that it's free mm-hmm. have you ever even seen a five pound burger held it with all the a, on it and the bun that, to match it and all that i had a three pound burger when i was in hot springs and it was like the biggest thing i'd ever seen so i can't imagine i was two bite two normal human sized bites away from eating everything and i just uh, couldn't do it and the problem was that i didn't know i was going to be doing that these two other hikers that were that wanted to take me out that weren't on the trail of course i was the only one on the trail at this point in time this is the winter through hike mind you and mm-hmm. they came out of the blue to the hostel to be like hey we want to take you out for a meal because you're crazy <laughs> you know and i was <laughs> like oh okay yeah sure problem was i didn't know they were taking me to eat a challenge meal and i had eaten right before that and they're like no 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 they're like no 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 you're the hiking viking you can eat this they're like that because that's what i i would do i don't know if you're like that was a staple of like my town stops was showing people the amount of food that i would be eating and it wasn't even for a challenge it's like this is what i'm eating and it's like two meals at least like two full meals with the you know the sides and the fixings and everything and it was just because i was burning so many calories in the snow and the cold that i just i required it and plus i just wanted to you know be happy which yeah. I'm happy when I'm eating lots of foods. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so they took me out there and I attempted it and I failed and it's okay because I ate that burger later that night, <laughs> whatever I did. There you go. The, uh, that, that will, that the, I'll someday, hopefully if I ever go and through like the AT again, which I think is a, if, if the world goes back to normal, I think that's a possibility that I through hike the AT again because I love it. It's my first uh, long distance trail. And I'll probably give it a shot again if they're still making that burger. And I'm actually starting to wonder, man, I wonder if 
wonder if I missed the opportunity to have that burger when I was in, because I took a double zero when I was in the notch. If you didn't didn't try it, you missed it. But that just means you have to go back. No big deal. Yeah, it just means I got to do it again. I got a burger out there. No big deal. Quit your job and go through hike again. Uh, Don't tempt me. (laughs) Uh, Two beard questions. What's the best thing you've ever stored in your beard? Uh, Stored in my beard. Uh, well, I think trash from the ground in Burning Man. I'm serious. <laughs> Elaborate. Like, I would pick, I would, because a big deal about Burning Man is don't leave trash. And like, you know, it's windy yeah. out there. It's a desert. Trash would blow around. And we would pick up trash and just clip it into my beard. And I would just turn, I, I just have this trash beard. <laughs> Seriously. Please tell me there's a picture. And paint and like wire and like feathers. And there's all this, there's all this crap. And it just turned into a trash beard eventually. Oh, please (laughs) tell me there's a beard for that. There's a picture for that somewhere. Uh, There might be somewhere. It would, I'd have to dive, dive into some uh, hard drives that that are like (laughs) in a cubby hole somewhere. And I don't even know, but it's possible. Maybe I can find them for us. Awesome. Uh, Last one. Best compliment you've ever received for your beard. I mean, uh, there's so many guys (laughs) out there with that have like normal. Again, I'm saying this with a guy that has a less large. It's still a pretty good beard right now. I mean, it's it's, still impressive. Yeah, but it's nothing like what it was. It was like down to my my tatas, you know, earlier (laughs) this year. And, um, I, you, you know, when you have other bearded men who aspire to have a beard like that, that just can't grow a beard like that, like they, they have something, but it just like, either it doesn't connect to the mustache, like it doesn't, it grows in ratty on the sides. Like you, like if I don't trim below my eyes, this thing grows up to my eyelids more or less, you know, <laughs> but I have this super, super like full mustache that, that, that other men just practically drool over and they will come up to me and approach me and say, Hey man, I just got to say great beard. And I, you know, that's happened hundreds of times to the point where it's just, it never ceases to amaze me how often it can happen and how many times it can happen. And now that I don't have that big beard like that anymore, I, and another dude walks by that has a beard that's bigger than mine currently or has a beard that is as big as my old one was, I now know what it feels like to be on the, like the, I wish my beard were as big as that guy's. But the thing is I can grow mine back to that. These other people couldn't, they were just like, it's beard envy or the smaller, you know, it's just, it's just funny. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking beard envy, beard envy. There's nothing worse (laughs) than, than hearing somebody walk up to you with a straight, with a uh, clean shaven face. And they're like, Dude, I used to have a beard like that. And I'm like, well, you don't anymore. <laughs> you can't really say it because it doesn't matter because I don't believe you. You got to go by. So I won't I won't start a conversation with a bearded guy that has a beard bigger than me. Like, oh, I used to have a beard that big because like, I don't, you just don't, it just doesn't work. It's just like saying, it's. I liken that that um, conversation to being like, a, like um, as a Marine, you have a lot of people that come up to you and be like, uh, Oh, I almost joined the Marine Corps. And you're like, okay, buddy. All right. Cool. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. you did. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Well, still, I'm going to say kick ass beard. Yeah, I can thanks. still tell. Yeah. You so. got one, but it's hiding behind a microphone. I can't really see it all. I got some pictures from what it looked like when I finished the trail, but again, it's, yeah. Mm, 
Yeah. It was, it's never you know, maybe a quarter of that size. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I so, also get, but, I get like, so I have like red and blonde highlights where the, the hair around my mouth actually comes out red and blonde and the hairs on the sides and underneath come out like brown and almost black. So it's just really, really rich in like color diversity. So it's like, and in summer, the sun really lightens it up and it kind of becomes this like Moses glowing like beard kind of situation. <laughs> I nice. Love it. And I, I, I do love it. I'm not going to lie. Pop, I'm very fortunate but... that my DNA and my genetics allowed for this to happen because I don't do anything to maintain it. It's just I either am growing it or I'm not growing it. And it's just yeah. there's no work to be done. <laughs> Cool deal. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Real Hiking Viking. This was a lot of great stuff. Um, yeah. Before we go, last thing, you want to give any shout outs to anybody or anything? Your website? Well, I would just love to say to everybody out there who's itching to hike, like the time will come and the time for sticking inside is now. And that's it. That's all I have to say. The uh, shout out is to anybody out there who um, who's less fortunate than we are. And we hope that this is over soon. And, and I hope that you, we all get the support and um, just love that we need right now. That's all. Yeah. Well said, man. Well said. Thank you so much, brother. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. And we'll yeah, talk it was soon. a great time. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Take care, Viking. All right. Peace. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that Real Hiking Viking's a great dude. You can follow Real Hiking Viking on Instagram at The Real Hiking Viking. Or check him out on his website, www.therealhikingviking.com. Our thanks to him for being on the show. Don't go yet. Want to hit on a few things real quick. First up, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks with our third show with backcountry navigation expert Andrew Skirka, the man who's widely known for laying down the first tracks on the Great Western Loop, which connects the PCT and the CDT in one single trip. Now, these days, Skirka is known for his off-trail adventures, including creating high routes in the Winds, the Sierras, and the Rockies. You don't want to miss this episode, as Skirka is going to give us his tips and tricks to backcountry navigation. Secondly, in case you missed the last show, be sure to go back and listen to our talk with Heather Anish Anderson, who has a ton of thru-hiking records to her name, including holding the current PCT self-supported speed record at 60 days. And finally, please give us some love and leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app. It helps us get noticed, and it lets us know what we can do to make the show even better for you. So thanks so much for joining us, and we hope you're all doing well and staying safe out there. For now, this is Shanti, and we'll see you next time on the Out and Back podcast presented by Gaia GPS. Take care, everyone.